0: Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks, Brian. And thanks for all of you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for tuning in. This is Justin Hahnemann. This is the ContenderCast. And our mission is simple to shine a light on bright ideas. And today, I just have to say, I'm, I'm so excited we're talking music. And it's been a passion of mine now for many years, actually leading up, starting when I was younger, playing piano and singing in the choir, and then got back into it. we're going to talk about that today. But my guest today is Jan Smith, who um, has been a great friend. And Jan, I'm so glad you're on the uh, podcast. Thank you, Justin. It's good to be with
1: you here today.
0: Yeah. So Jan, um, you have a fascinating story. So let me tell you guys a I've little bit about I've probably got a few of them. <laughs> You've got many of them. <laughs> and we're going to talk through many of those today. But Jan is a singer songwriter, vocal coach, producer, Grammy-nominated producer. You've started and founded Jan Smith Studios. You've worked with some amazing artists, um, some that you might or might not have heard of. For those of you that are listening, Usher, Rob Thomas, Sugarland, Sierra, Indyaree. Um, the list goes on. You've written two books, which we're going to talk about today and a third one that's coming. And then many people know you as Mama Jan or Mama J, right? So let's start with where did that come from?
1: You know, um, actually, I'll go back to a time when I was working with um, uh, John Hopkins, as most people will know who works with the, the Zach Brown band now. And he was one of my clients, as well as a young man named Jeffrey Butts. And they were coming in, you know, weekly as regular kind of rock and roll R&B dudes. And for whatever reason, they just, you know, one of them, John Hopkins, I think, is the one who, who's, you know, started calling me mama. And, and it just caught on in the hallway there at the old studio on Clifton Road that you'll remember. And, um, and so at the same time, I was seeing a young R&B uh, artist named Usher. And so at, no one has heard of. Right. And, and uh, he ended up kind of taking that uh, handle public. But I have to give a uh, shout outs to John Hopkins and Jeffrey Butts because they argue about who really called me that first.
0: Nice. Well, that's great. And you and I first met actually through my voice coach who works with you, Heidi mm-hmm. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Now over 10 years ago, it was an interesting time in my life um, that I was going through and just got back into music at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, our relationship, of course, has grown since then. But all right, let's focus on you. And I, I'm just so excited to talk through a couple things with you. So sure. first... You started into music when you were three, singing at the First Baptist Church here around Atlanta. You learned the ukulele, and then you put out your first album at age 15? I did. I I actually, I have to go back and say, my mother would
1: tell you that I came into the world singing and I I could sing before I could talk and that whole story. (laughs) But I I literally used to harmonize with the drone of her, her old Hoover vacuum cleaner when I was like two oh, years old.
0: Does, what key um, is that in?
1: Uh, <laughs> kind of like bag, bagpipes, but I would harmonize on top nice, of that just because okay. I, I, I hear in color. So I, I always harmonized as a child and heard harmonies. So three years old, you know, the angelic choir at the Southern Baptist Church we grew up in and um, went to a little girls, you know, summer camp and the camp counselors had ukuleles. And so my godmother gave me a ukulele. For my ninth birthday, my 10th birthday, I got a guitar. And from there really uh, was where I started just playing, making up songs. I was always writing poems and things as a kid and making up songs in my head. But then I had a way to accompany myself and just kind of being naturally gifted in music uh, gave me an affinity for writing songs. By the time I was 13, I was writing um, what I would consider, you know, pretty decent songs that people liked and could remember. And then I started playing in, you know, just little little bands and little groups and things and talent shows, et cetera, that were real different from what they are now. Sure, of course. But I uh, started playing in rock and roll bands when I was in junior high and high school. And that's when I went and uh, recorded three, uh, three songs. I did an EP, my right. first EP, yeah. which, which was a whole lot more rare than it is now. I mean, everybody has right? The process absolutely. is very different. Well, it in was in a real of- studio where you had to, uh, you know, record things by analog because we didn't have Pro Tools. Gosh, we actually had, like,
0: you had reel-to-reel tapes and things like that? Well,
1: yeah, we didn't even have laptops at that <laughs> point. So, <laughs> Crazy. Or cell phones. <laughs> yep. And so, um, it, you know, recording really at that point in time when I was younger was about going into a studio, having to track it, multi-track it on analog tape, and, and then having to mix it with, you know, five people's hands on the mixing board, sure. and that kind of thing, because nothing was automated. So I've I've learned a lot about recording because of that, but um, that was my first recording effort, and then from there I've I've got six albums and two EPs out as an artist, and well, have toured amazing. and done all that junk. Amazing.
0: So. Okay, so was your thought growing up that you'd be on, you know, you'd be out touring that that was going to be your career? Where did you think? Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, like all, many people that walk in the doors here, right, at your studio, I,
1: absolutely. I mean, I, I'm an artist first, and so that was that's where I started, and. And where I thought that I would end up. And, and really, truly, it is full circle because I am an artist in what I do. I'm still an artist in the studio with the other artists that I'm working with. I'm still an artist when I'm working with people in vocal coaching. I'm certainly an artist when I'm doing production and, um, and songwriting. And so uh, God has provided a way for me to continue to be creative in all that I do, even though I am not necessarily that person on the front of the stage. I'm more that person with the backstage pass. Uh, you know, for everything, but um, working working to support artists from an artist uh, bent, if sure. you will,
0: almost artist development. Yes, if you want to put. But it, it in helps context. the
1: vernacular that I understand the lifestyle that I, uh, you know, I have been on stages and and I still perform when I want to. Sure, I know. So I, that's I understand. Right. I understand what it's about and can relate to them in a different way.
0: So what fuels you most? Is it the? Because I I think about this a lot. Is it the when you have that perfect lyric that comes together to make you know the the song the music part um, you know which would be a very different thought process as you know uh, or is it the you know seeing the reaction from people that hear it and and are responding to it or seeing that through other artists like are any of those your Hmm. you know your big focus or things that you're you're most passionate about
1: you know honestly all of those things fall under the heading of, of really helping other people to shine best and and I think that that's what I've really come to realize is my true passion it is, to, is to help other people be better at what they're doing, and therein lies the fulfillment. So if it's in writing a better song or helping them to understand that process or production is certainly wonderful because you bring the best out of people, and when they hear it back for the first time it's and, amazing, and, and hear what they're capable of, it, it is, uh, that's a true delight. But then also watching something that somebody has struggled with in the, you know, in instruction and then watching them finally stand on the stage and deliver and and, and find who they are in it is really quite fulfilling.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first started taking voice lessons here um, with you and with Heidi, um, one of the things she said is you got to start writing songs. And I remember thinking, you know, I'd never done that before. Right. But what I found very quickly is uh, kind of like writing poetry. We talked about that before the podcast started writing rhyme, if you have that in you, then it can come together in a really cool way in songs. And when you write something that someone else reacts to, it's pretty an amazing moment.
1: I think, yeah, and I agree with you that, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, songwriting is, and it, and it is special. I'm not taking away from the fact that there, you know, there's a natural affinity for it. But I think that um, people don't think that they can write sometimes, and they can just they like may people do correct right. and everybody thinks if you're sitting down and writing something that it has to be a, it just comes out as a song you know great songwriters they don't just like sit down and write a song and, and there it is in 2 minutes there have been some of those that happen sure. yep. um but 9 times out of 10 it's a process just like anything else in life is a process you don't arrive immediately and um I think great songwriters will be the first ones to tell you that, you know, I I know for me, I've had a song that's lived in me for, you know, a couple of years sometimes and and it finally writes itself. Yeah. But it takes that
0: time. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I've got 15 to 20 ideas on my iPhone started that I haven't been either hadn't had the time to finish or maybe I've got one line, but Mm -hmm. not, you know, the full context. And um, but that's part of the fun of it, I think, is seeing when one of those comes through and sure comes reality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're here in Atlanta and you have grown Chance Smith Studios over a number of years now. Mm-hmm. And while you're here in Atlanta, I mean, a lot of your clients are not in Atlanta, but talk about how you decided to start this business mm-hmm. and like where it is today, how it's come, where it's come from, where it is today.
1: I, I didn't really decide to start this business, to be honest with you. I, I again, I, I was an artist absorbed in being myself and playing with my band. And uh, I was actually, this is during the disco era when when you really couldn't get arrested, you know, playing original music. (laughs) So I went to a place down on Ponce de Leon called Clark Music. And I was, um, I wanted to buy a drum machine so that I could work on some song demos at home, just songwriter stuff. And the gentleman who owned the store, he said, you know, you need to check with a guy next door who owns a rock and roll guitar school. He has one of these that's slightly used, but it's in good shape. And he'll sell it to you for cheaper. So I walked next door to the Atlanta School of Rock got it and and talked with um the gentleman who owned that and as we were talking he said you know I think I, I think I recognize who you are he said you're you know he knew me as a the rock chick around town that <laughs> right I had pretty good you know singing chops and he said I've got a guy who um, he's in a real popular band and he's one of my my best guitar players but he's losing his voice and he said do you think you can help him and I said yeah I, I think I can I had enough information you know with my own training to be a little bit dangerous and so I started going in on a Saturday and working with this one guy and helped him turn his voice around. And then there were two, and then there were five, and then there were 10. And all it of a sudden, I was a growing part of this other guy's business. And uh, it was competing with my time as a full-time psychologist. That was my, my real bread and butter. Yep, I remember that. And yep. uh, so I went part-time as a psychologist and kind of you know kept working at the Atlanta School of Rock with Steve until... It got to the point to where there were sixty and seventy and one hundred twenty clients because wow. nobody was catering to the needs of you know
0: rock and R and B sure. and you know rap and artists it grew by word of mouth, right? No marketing, no advertising, pretty
1: much. I mean, I think that you know Steve did some advertising just in his Atlanta School of Rock thing. Rock vocal instructor is kind of how he tagged me, but it did get to be a, a word of mouth thing and just grew and grew and grew. And then, um, and then there was Rob Thomas, uh, and then there was the first notable. Uh, signed artist who actually claimed me. There were others prior to that who were a little afraid of their record companies finding out that they were coming to me because at that point, an artist could lose their deal if they had vocal issues. If they were issues.
0: working with, oh, wow, if interesting. They had vocal okay. issues, if okay. they vocal
1: issues, if something was wrong with them. And so uh, it then it kind of flipped and changed to where the labels began to rely on vendors like myself to help their artists, to keep them up, because they realized that I was one of the people who helped them save money because I kept their artists right. up on the road, right? exactly. Um, and it went from, you know, that public kind of acknowledgement with Matchbox 20 being such a huge band and having such great success, and Matt Cerletic becoming the CEO of Atlantic Records, and then um, my friends in Collective Soul happened to be working with Elton John, And Janetta Patton, Usher's mother, had called Elton because she knew Elton had some vocal issues, called um, Elton and asked him for a referral on a vocal coach. Well, Elton didn't really know me from Adam's house cat, but he was working with Ed Rowland and the guys in Collective Soul who knew me very well. And they said, you know, tell her Mama Jan. So I got a phone call from Janetta Patton and uh, her young son, Usher, was having some vocal issues at that time. and. He came to see me, which, you know, obviously I'd worked with African-American and, and other ethnic artists prior to that. But but that really kind of broke the color barrier, if you will, in the industry for okay. me yeah. um, and, and put me on a different level of map, which was more uh, across the board, a national map that could cater to any
0: style of artist. Interesting. OK. And so that really opened the door to new opportunities for you in Big terms of time. artist development.
1: Absolutely. and And then those the labels. When, when I helped Usher go from, you know, the way his voice was on 8701 up to, you know, Confessions, and my work was associated with him on that Benchmark album, that's what really made a tremendous statement. Once people knew I was the same girl that worked with Rob Thomas and them, and then it was like, okay, they connected the dots, and then from that... You have Usher, who, you know, was friends with Scooter Braun and Jermaine Dupree, and then they bring in a young Justin Bieber. And so that lineage just continues on.
0: Yeah. And I remember um the time when I first was here, I, Justin Bieber was just getting started here right. in town. And yeah. Nobody screamed
1: I, when he came in the building no, or left. I remember
0: yeah. that vividly at your studios yeah. here. Yeah. Um And then, of course, you've, you've been along that ride uh, with him, right, yeah. as he's grown yeah. his career. So you talked um, earlier about, you mentioned relationships. So, it sounds like, and we talked about on the podcast on a couple other episodes about the value of relationships. And for mm-hmm, you, I mean, mm-hmm. this really started with a, a single thread that then led into many other Oh, absolutely.
1: Things. Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, you, you talk about Heidi, you know, Heidi was a client of mine. And uh, back before, you know, be she, was, <laughs> before she was your vocal coach. Well, almost all of the vocal coaches have either been mentored and or have been former clients of mine. So um, that kind of carries the, the handprint. But Heidi was a client of mine and, and a very good one at that. And at that time, when I was seeing you know 70, 80 people, it, it made sense to give somebody else an opportunity. So I, so I trained her. So therein lies a 30-year relationship with somebody that I value greatly in my business, as well as the other teachers that are here. Peter Vogel you know still performs with me, uh, and he's been in bands with me for 25 years, but he's also one of the greatest guitar instructors on the planet. No question: yep. I think relationships are um, not only how the music business or entertainment industry works. It's how we were created to serve each other, really. And relationships are so important because without you know me doing something to help someone else, I in exchange am, am not able to do what I do. If that no makes question.
0: sense? Yeah, no question. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, for me, like relationships have been critical to my personal and career growth, and, sure, and and uh, faith growth and whatnot. So. Okay. So one of the things that I get asked often is, if you're a really creative person, how can you run a business? And then I also get asked, okay, I'm a real business person, a numbers person, how can you be creative? So you have melded those two things together. I mean, you've got the built-in creativity that comes through in many different ways, but now you've had to build a business, right? So what have been some of the challenges with growing a business over time that you've found?
1: Exactly that. Um, I, I think the <laughs> besides fir- a
0: waiting list of clients, right? Well,
1: no, no. I, you know, I think the the first thing for me was recognizing th- that it, it was a business. Recognizing myself as a business was was and, and not because as an artist, I I I knew how to make albums. I knew how to stand on a stage and perform. I knew how to sell CDs. I knew how to book gigs. Uh, I knew how to you know do press kits and photo you know shoots sure. and things like that. But all of a sudden, you have how many people working here, and they're seeing how many people, and you got phone calls, and you need administrative, and you've got to pay a business manager to do what? Right. Um, And and you need, you know, a telephone system? Oh, okay. And security cameras? Oh, all right. How about space? Let's, you know, how much, you know, 4,500 square feet? Right. You know, I didn't prepare for any of that. I I didn't go to school. I didn't get my MBA. And so I have a degree in psychology, but, you know, so I know how to work crazy people, which is good. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we'll talk about the industry in a minute. (laughs) But I I
1: really did, you know, I never prepared for the business of business. Um, So it's been some of it's been kind of hard knocks and you learn by error and you learn um, by doing and being (laughs) thrust into it. And that's that's really the truth of it for me. I've had a lot of good people who've helped me along the way. There again, no there's, there's that relational yeah. uh,
0: importance. And surrounding yourself with the right people, right? Abs- oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's segue into that. So, um, and it's fascinating. I mean, to, to be clear, now, since I started here, by the way, before we get to this next topic, there has been a waiting list of people wanting to come in and take lessons here. And I, Right? I mean, since...
1: It's a good problem <laughs> to have, but it is a problem. Yes, sure, it's yeah. a high class
0: problem. That's amazing, though. Yeah. It's amazing um, what you've built here. Okay, so the music industry. So... You've seen it evolve over time. You're super involved um, in leadership roles across the industry. Can we talk about surrounding yourself with the right people? Mm-hmm. And so, part of artist development is getting an artist to be around the right people that mm-hmm. are good influences or going to take them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, how have you managed that personally? And then, how do you coach others in terms of managing the people part?
1: Hmm. You know, I, th- I think, again, you, you learn by mistakes we've all had people around us um, for different reasons. And in business, one of the most important things for me is understanding that boundaries are good things, being able to um, learn to say no. Very hard things for for an artist to do. It's just like, you know, if you take LeBron James, for example, if he tore his ACL, we're not going to numb him up and wrap it up and say, now get out there and play the rest of the season. We're going to bench him because he's so valuable. But if an artist... Uh, if their voice goes down, the industry basically says, hey, get out there and do your job. Right. We need to make money. We need to sell tickets. So the show must go on, right? the show must go on. And so canceling shows and and canceling gigs is, is just kind of not in our DNA. Well, I think the same thing is true when artists begin to be business entrepreneurs, learning to say no and having boundaries and knowing when to stop and saying, no, that's not okay with me or here, this is the way we're going to do it. We're not going to do it that way. Really important things to learn. If I had to say anything about just the business, the business acumen part of that and those lessons therein, learning about the people, paying attention to who they say they are, and then really watching, you know, do they follow through with their actions? Actions do uh, tr- truly speak louder than words.
0: Yep. Actions express priorities. Uh,
1: absolutely. And I think that that you you learn as you go that people, if if people show you who they are, you believe them. So that, that's kind of, I guess that answers the question about surrounding myself with people. And, and at the end of the day, there are going to be those circumstances or outside influences, i.e. money, fame, et etc., greed, that might make good people actually make bad decisions. So that can happen too. And then your ability to be able to bounce back from that matters an awful lot, your, your own integrity.
0: How often do you find yourself as a psychologist for some of these Artists versus 24-7. Just, 24-7. No, I
1: mean, honestly... You know, I can
0: imagine you probably get calls, you know, with those types of questions. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, I, I tell people often that the least of what we do here is vocal instruction. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's under the guise... Of, it's artist development, though. I mean, And when you're, when you're developing artists, you're not just developing their voices. You're developing, hopefully, them as whole the people. personality. Absolutely.
0: Thinking approach.
1: Yeah, ab- all of that.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'm sure you have many parents... Mm-hmm. More singers walk through the door that want their child to be the next American Idol.
1: They all, to, uh, they all, th- they all think their <laughs> child the is the next buzzer. Justin Bieber or Taylor right. Swift. Yeah, to
0: be Taylor Swift, uh-huh. to be on America's Got Talent, to win the X Factor, to get on the Voice, and Absolutely. we actually have many friends from our church that have actually been on the Voice, but right. um. All, so of the, all of those you, shows
1: call me. By the way,
0: okay. So they all, they
1: all call me because they, they all stalk my Instagram and they they want because they, they want to see who I who's coming up and that, they uh, you know they do.
0: <laughs> okay, pers- so <laughs> two sides of that. You're jumping right to it. So what is your what are your thoughts on those platforms? A, and then how do you manage expectations with the parents slash singers uh, mm-hmm. that think that they have it? I think the truth works, number
1: one. I'll answer your second question first. The truth works. I don't make people stars. I work with a lot of them. I help a lot of them maintain, hopefully, their positions in the industry. We develop people who become stars. But the thing that I can't do is predict what, you know, Billy Bob and and Martha are going to respond to. None of us can really predict the the public. And, And the public... And their response is really what makes people famous or makes them stars. So what we do is develop artists and and really on on any level of that, whether it's somebody who wants to sing better for their church choir, somebody who's just writing songs at home because they love it or singing to their kids, or people who are are really being developed by labels, then that's what we do. And the integrity of the work is the same with any of those. I I do the same thing with Usher as I do with, you know, uh, somebody else who comes in. Uh, it doesn't matter about that to me. It's about where meeting them where they are. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, with regards to um, every mother, there, there's no mother that's ever looked at their baby and go, "Oh, look at my ugly baby." <laughs> that's right. It, uh, it's just like songs. Right. You know, we all fall in love with our babies, our songs. Right, and we think nobody the next ever hit. writes a bad song. That's Correct. right. So, um, as it relates to that, again, the truth works and. In, in, I always whittle that down to saying, okay, that's all fine. And I believe in that dream too, but here's the reality of where you're at. Now let's work on getting you there. Got it. As far as the shows are concerned, um, I think that uh, television shows are television shows, number Entertainment. one, but they're television shows and, and that is not the music business, not necessarily. And, and so I think that a lot of times people get confused about that, um, Secondly, most of those shows, not all of them, but most of them have really very binding contracts that are not artist friendly. OK, so, so kind we'll give of
0: us an example of what you mean by that.
1: Getting into the intellectual property rights of artists uh, for an undue Lengthy amount of time where I don't think that that's right or good. Got it. Where even some of the you know the scum of the earth people in the music industry would not would would at least have a sunset clause and get out of your back pocket. So I think that the shows are extremely egregious and greedy, and I think that they you know are looking at at things from um, strictly uh, they're bringing everything but don't recognize the artist in the process. So I don't, I don't like them a lot. I think, I think for the the sake of visibility, sure. it's huge. Television for your own is king. Personal brand. Oh, I a mean, singer, television yeah. is king, and and it, and it's great for that. But for artists who are starting out and they they are just looking for that opportunity, they don't realize that they are then going to be attached to that company or that contract for you know fifty years past the time right. that they're dead. Right. <laughs> I think it's a bit much.
0: Right. I remember when I first was, to, again, back when I first started working or taking lessons here. Many people were here because they wanted to be Usher or Justin of Bieber or whatnot, right? Yeah. And then as those shows actually launched, then the focus, I know, has become, you know, we've got to get my child onto those shows or I should be on there. Absolutely. Or, you know, age shouldn't matter.
1: Yeah. And we, and we try, I mean, we have a lot of people that come through and do those auditions. I mean, at one time on The Voice, I think it was, Usher was a judge. Jill Scott was one of the mentors. Uh, the band Perry was another one of the mentors. And then we had a little girl, Bria Kelly. So I had four on the floor <laughs> Amazing. at the same time, Amazing. in the same in the same episode, uh, just on that one show. We've, I mean, obviously, Diana DeGarmo came in second on American Idol. I mean, we've had a lot of people that were in the front running. And I'm very proud of that and very proud of their successes and and would never have discouraged them from doing what they felt they needed to do. But more times than not, we've had people go out there and become very disillusioned. And the television shows don't have to do the cleanup work on right. the back end.
0: You're out. Thank you. It was great meeting you. Uh,
1: yeah. And, and and sometimes, hey, you know, we're going to put these words in your mouth and this is the way your story is going to go. And we want you to do this. And and I'm the person or my staff, we're the ones who do that cleanup work on on the, the spirit and the ego and the precious soul of those people who come back here who are crushed.
0: Right. Oh, that's an interesting challenge. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, last but not least... Uh, you got a new book coming out, I and do. I'm really excited about that. Me um, too, if
1: I can ever get it written. <laughs> uh,
0: it's it's close. So well, tell our audience about that book, and then when you think it might be available.
1: I, I hope uh, top top of 2018. If my book agent has anything to do with it, I'll get it done quicker. But um, it's really about the lineage of of the business that God's created through the work of my hands. And and the relationships they're in. I didn't want to write just a, a memoir about, oh, it's been great to work with Usher. It has been great to work with Usher. Or, gee, I you know did 86 shows with Justin Bieber. Uh, yeah, it's not as simple as that. It is about the relationships and how those came into my life. And also the geographical progression of all that that shows how they're all interrelated. And then I'm going to have some vocal anecdotes in there. And I've got contributions from uh several of the artists. So it, it kind of tells the story from their perspective, their whole Mama Jan story, and then it tells Mama Jan's side of that story and then a vocal antidote with each one of those. So it 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 kind of covers all of that ground.
0: That's awesome. And I know you're you're kicking off a whole speaking series this fall going into next year. So you're Hope gonna be so. at Leader correct?
1: I, I am. I'm um very, very honored to work uh this year with the the inaugural women's leader cast event and have been asked to be one of their their uh, main speakers, so I'm excited about that. That's in October, and then um, hopefully past that point. I've done some other presentations and, and such at churches and, and bre- you know business breakfast kind of things, but I'm really looking forward to doing more um, conventional things and taking not just me speaking and performing, but also doing the vocal thing at the same time, which is kind of cool.
0: Well, what's great about that is you mix the many stories you have mm-hmm. and the experiences you have with the music piece, and I think that's oh, what yeah. Um, is is so exciting and Hope unique? So. No, I think it's going to so. be great. Um, okay, and last but not least, so where can our listeners come to find out more about you and your work? I'm pretty easy to find. It's <laughs> it's
1: at JanSmith.com, or if you Google Mama Jan, M A M A, you know Jan, you'll you'll find me. Um, but www.jansmith.com and on all um all the social um Mama Jan music. So yeah.
0: well I am so glad you were on today. And Thank I, you I so want much. you to know you and Heidi are the reason that uh, you know that I launched into writing and doing some of my own music work and yes. started writing books. Which we're um, very,
1: very proud of you for and uh, we <laughs> are it all roots back. You're to a shining you and Heidi star. Heidi. You're one of our shining stars. Oh, thanks a lot, Jan. Absolutely.
0: For more information on today's topic, or to access additional leadership content, tools and resources, check out contenderbrands.com. Also, you can download other ContenderCast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. And remember, every winner started as a contender.